Uh, one of the other things that I have discovered about Stony Brook in my short time here is that God has blessed you all with the gift of hospitality. Uh, we have felt very, very, very welcomed, Todd, Taylor, and Austin, uh, and myself. In, in the short time we have been here, there's, I can tell there's been a lot of preparation done in order to welcome us um, with open arms and open hearts, and so we are truly grateful for that and really look forward to getting to know you. So I would invite you to hear these words from the Gospel according to Luke from the 10th chapter. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. Will you join me in a spirit of prayer? O oh God, for the gift of this day, we thank you. For the gift of your holy scripture, we thank you. Let the words from my mouth speak to the people's hearts and hear your voice above my own. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You did not do this on your own. These were the words that God pressed into my heart and into my head on the day of my ordination several weeks ago. As a second career pastor who began the process toward ordination six and a half years ago, the day felt like a long day coming. The, the path to ordination in the United Methodist Church is a long process. It includes an examination and affirmation from the district superintendent, the local church's staff parish committee, the district committee on ordained ministry, and the Board of Ordained Ministry. In addition to that, you're required to go to seminary full-time for three years. It seemed endless, 
relentless, and at times even grueling. Throughout the process, I shed tears and I was exhausted. But I was also affirmed. I saw unimaginable beauty and I got to experience a time of rapid growth. At the same time, it seems like it was just yesterday that I heard God speak to me in the most distinctive voice during a sermon. This voice which called me and shocked me miles out of my comfort zone happened on a new pastor's first Sunday. As he was preaching, he was sharing that his call to vocational ministry came later than in life. And as soon as those words left his mouth, I heard God speak to me saying, wake up girl, that's you I'm talking to. <laughs> the clarity of God's voice, as scary as it was, and the simplicity of the words are what kept me grounded, focused, and able to do the work of my goal of ordination. The past six and a half years have been filled with deep wrestling, tears, stress, elation, heartache, joy, and lots of laughter. Having all of this in my head on the day of my ordination, I wept as I stood in the shower at Lakeside. I was nervous, excited, and a little bit overwhelmed. You did not do this on your own. I did not hear these as words of comfort. Rather, I heard these words from God as a reminder for me to keep my humility in check. Our culture likes to sell us a lie, which many of us buy, saying that we are the reason for our accomplishments in life. We often relish this notion that we are the reason we are successful, and when we do this, we leave God and others out of the equation. We were not designed to do life on our own. In the moment of our conception, we must be nurtured in our mother's womb in order for us to even survive. And then once we enter into the world, we are surrounded by communities of people who guide us and nurture us as we grow. Though we may work hard, we can never say we accomplished anything on our own. At every turn, we've been influenced by people along the way, our families, our churches, our social groups, our government, and so much more. Today's scripture, we find 70 people, 70 people who have been influenced by numerous others throughout their lives. They too have been surrounded by their families, their communities, their neighbors. They've been influenced by the disciples, and they've been influenced by Jesus. By this time in the gospel story, these unnamed people declare that they will follow Jesus wherever he will go. Jesus, ever the realist who always speaks his mind, basically says to them, okay guys, but it's not going to be easy. You're going to be rejected. You're going to lose your life the way you know it. Following me, it's going to be a sacrifice. Ministry is not easy. It takes commitment. It takes patience. It takes prayerful discernment where we need to listen for God's Spirit to speak, to guide and to nudge us. At times, it may even feel like God's Spirit is pushing us, pushing us into new and uncomfortable places. God's Spirit does not let us sit around. We don't get to be idle and comfortable God's Spirit gets us moving in risky ways. 
Ministry is risky. We risk the unknown. We risk failure. We risk hurting someone or even being hurt ourselves. And we even risk unimaginable joy. Researcher and social worker Dr. Brene Brown has done extensive research on vulnerability, on shame and courage. And through her research, she has discovered that people who have substance abuse issues in their lives will say that an experience of profound joy can be as much of a trigger for relapse as an experience of profound pain. Isn't this strange? It seems that joy is something we all long for and desire. Shouldn't joy feel good? The reality is there's something about joy that chisels away at some of the hardness that builds up around our hearts. And what we're left with is a soft and vulnerable exposure to life, a, a, an exposure that lets in tenderness and releases feelings of ecstasy that can seem like a high. Joy can be almost painful, and there may be times when we don't know what to do with it. Ministry, at its very best, elicits this type of experience, and it's what keeps people coming back time and time again. I had experiences of the most surprising joy at annual conference. Early in the week, Pastor Lou had invited me to dinner with her and Pastor Bob and the other delegates from Stony Brook. It was a lovely evening for me. I got to hear stories of the lives from those who were uh, sharing the dinner table with me. We laughed, we ate fine food, and in the middle of the evening, Pastor Bob slid across the table to me a large wrapped gift. It was a gift from you all, whether or not you knew you got me a present. <laughs> Since it was my first time meeting this group, I was trying so hard not to embarrass myself. So instead of tearing away the wrapping paper in my normal fashion, which would be to just tear it away and be real messy, I attempted to remove the wrapping paper very delicately, and my goal was to be full of grace. Let's just say I failed. I would have been better off just being me because I was so awkward in that moment and I stumbled trying to get the paper off without knocking over water glasses and throwing the bread plates onto the floor and it was just a mess. Once I finally got the wrapping paper removed from the box, I breathed a deep sigh of relief. This relief lasted but a brief, brief moment because I discovered that this box was sealed as if no one should ever get into it, ever. I promise you, you needed a master's degree in engineering to figure out how to open this box. I also promise you, I do not have that. I very awkwardly got the packaging tape removed and opened the box only to have my anxiety shoot up even higher than it had been until this point when I discovered that the box was filled to the rim. There was not a centimeter of space empty, filled to the rim with those oh, peanuts. Thank you. I was going to say stupid packing peanuts. Those packing <laughs> peanuts that stick to everything and just make a huge mess. 
And I did make a huge mess because I could not find the gift. <laughs> it was buried down in the box somewhere. I couldn't see it anywhere, and I'm blindly digging around in there. Peanuts, in the meantime, are spilling out all over the table and all over the floor. Ministry is messy. <laughs> Being in community is messy. We're human. We often don't know what we're doing. We disagree on any number of topics. We intentionally and unintentionally hurt one another. We say dumb things. We get on each other's nerves. We make mistakes. And we even fail. Eventually, I found the gift. Thanks be to God for this. <laughs> but once I found the gift, my heart sank. This thing was wrapped, I kid you not, in not one, but two layers of the thickest bubble wrap I have ever seen in my entire life. And it was, it was taped together with the packaging tape that had been used to tape together the box. I mean, seriously, was I being gifted a Fabergé egg? What is in this thing? It was at this point, thank you, Jesus, that Ben handed me his pocket knife. And I was able to open the gift with just a tiny bit of grace. We do not do this on our own. Jesus took those 70 people who stated their desire to follow him, and he sent them off in pairs to share the good news of the kingdom of God. The amazing thing is, though, Jesus didn't just send them out and say, go do the work. He gathered them together in community. He gave them instructions, and he let them know what they might expect when they are out in the mission field. Jesus told them, accept hospitality that is offered to you. And when you aren't accepted, move on. He set the scene for the followers to receive whatever joy may come from the ministry they were involved in. Near the end of the meal, we had been in a private room. Near the end of the meal, I took the box and my mess and moved down to the end of the room. I started to clean up my mess, and the man who was sitting to the left of me the entire meal, I, I overheard him starting to tell a story to the, the group that was still at the table. I was half listening to his story as I was cleaning up. And as I was cleaning up my mess, I heard him mention something about MYF. And I thought to myself, oh, I remember when, MY when youth group was called MYF, and that's Methodist Youth Fellowship, for those of you who may not be aware. And then I heard him describing taking a group of youth up to Lakeside one summer. He had been short a driver, and so he, his solution was to just pile all of the youth in the back of his giant Suburban. And I thought to myself, that is so funny. I had that exact same experience. <laughs> then this man went on to say, one of my youth even went on to become a pastor. And he named the pastor. Recognizing the name as somebody that I went to high school with and church with, I quickly left my mess and ran back over to the table. I sat down and looked this man square in the eye, and I said to him, are you talking West Ohio? Yes. Were you at Epworth on Carl Road? Yes. What is your last name? As he answered Rob, I exclaimed, I'm Jennifer Applegate. You were my youth leader. 
I have such fond memories of youth group. I was nurtured in youth group. I was accepted. I was heard. I was seen. We as youth were given opportunities to grow and to lead. And John Robb, my youth leader, he was kind and he was generous and he made coming to church fun. The environment he created made us youth want to be involved in the bigger church community. I did not do this on my own. My life has been filled with people at every single stage who have answered a call to ministry on their lives from God. As they have allowed God's Spirit to guide them, I've been shaped and influenced by their ministry and their presence. It's been these people who have helped me understand my call to ministry, helped me understand who I am as a creation of God, and helped me to make meaning in my life. You did not do this on your own. The presence of God's Holy Spirit is always with each and every one of us. I imagine as Jesus was speaking to the crowd that had just committed their lives to following him, the breath of God was exhaled upon them as Jesus spoke. Through his words, his very breath, the Holy Spirit covered the 70 with instructions, with guidance, and with blessings. As challenging and as messy as it can be in a faith community, there is nothing like the joy which comes from shared ministry. Where else do we get to come together in the name of Jesus and love one another, support one another, create ministries together, worship, praise, correct, apologize, forgive, reconcile, pray, learn, and grow together? walking alongside others, and having them walk alongside us through the ups and downs of life is essential to our health. Isolation is not how we were designed, and it can have negative effects on our physical, our emotional, and our spiritual health. I'm a, create, I'm a cradle United Methodist. I was baptized as a baby, like that baby that got baptized today. I've always been a part of a faith community which has taken their part of the baptismal vows seriously, and I hope that you all do the same for this beautiful baby that is in our community to nurture one another in the faith. As a teen, I saw not one but two female preachers in the pulpit. So when my own call to ministry came, I did not question the validity of my call. Women in the pulpit had been normalized for me. As an adult, I've been a part of a faith community who saw gifts in me and helped me to develop these gifts. Todd and I spent 16 years at a church where we learned how to be in community during times of conflict. We learned how to serve others and we learned how to grow in our own faith. It was beautiful and I take all of it with me every time I move. Most recently, I left a church where I fell in love with the community as their pastor. I got to witness bold strength. I got to hold hands of the sick and the dying. I got to learn with others. I got to sing and dance with the children. I got to laugh, cry, talk, and listen to the community. It was beautiful, and I bring all of it with me as I join you all, the people of Stony Brook. I wish that scripture recorded for us the stories of the 70. How were they changed by all of the people they met? How did the ways they engaged in mission and ministry evolve over time as they grew in their faith? 
How were the bonds of community strengthened? I do not yet know your stories. I'm assuming you all have evolved and grown over the years, both as individuals and as a church community. I hope that you will share your stories with me as I begin to learn what is unique and beautiful about Stony Brook. I also hope that as you get to know me, you will come to trust that I'm not only interested in your stories, but I'm also a safe space for you to share your joys and your pain and anything in between. We do not do this on our own. The gift that was inside the box, the gift from you all, was a beautiful, hand-thrown communion chalice and plate. It is a reminder to me that as I join this faith community, we are bound together through Jesus Christ, the one who offers us unconditional communion with God. It doesn't matter who we are, what we've done, where we've been, how we've lived. We get to be in community with one another and with God. I have not done anything on my own. You have not done anything on your own. The Holy Spirit led me here to be one of your pastors for this season. It is a gift for me that I get to love you and I get to lead you. I can't wait to see what we're going to learn together and how we will grow in our love for Jesus Christ and one another. I'm excited to experience whatever joy may come from our shared ministry. After being in the mission field, the 70 returned to Jesus. As they debriefed and shared their experiences with Jesus, they were elated, overcome, and they were rejoicing in what had happened. They couldn't believe what had occurred. The authority they had been given them through Jesus Christ had, been, had resulted in the most miraculous of events. We have that same authority it is through our voices that we get to speak out against injustice. It is through our hands that we hold the hurting and care for the healing. It is through our breath that we sing praises to God. And it is through our love that we get to show mercy and kindness. And guess what? We too get to experience miraculous events. Being in community is a gift. It's not something which happens quickly or with ease. Over time, as trust develops, we begin to feel safe. Over time, as we become more comfortable with one another, creative ministries emerge. Over time, as we take risks to go deeper in our lives together, glimpses of joy become more prominent. May each of us experience the gift of life-altering, almost painful joy. As the tenderness of our hearts are chiseled, as the hardness of our hearts are chiseled away, may we become softer, more tender, and more open to the Holy Spirit and to one another. Through our tender hearts, may we grow to see others as God sees them. May we reach out to others in risky ways, spreading the joy and the love of Jesus Christ. What a gift. Amen. I'd invite you to stand for our closing hymn. Let's join in singing about it and let's sing stanzas one 